Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the House View monthly live stream. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2022. I'm Anthony Pastore. Thank you so much for joining us for our live show today. I am joined once again by my two fantastic colleagues from the UBS Chief Investment Office, David Lefkowitz, the head of U.S. Equities, and Leslie Falconio, the head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy. And the three of us do appreciate hearing from you, our live audience. There's an Ask a Question button right there on your screen, so you can click that and engage with us during today's discussion. We will open up the lines or the text lines to the audience a little bit later for all of you to ask those questions and we'll get them right here in the room so I can ask Leslie and David. All right, I wanna get into it with both of you. First of all, good to see both of you. We have to start with the Fed. I think that's probably the most pressing uh, topic right now for most people since the end of the two-day meeting was yesterday. The Fed did raise rates by another 25 basis points, which was expected. Um, and there, there are some questions about there about where Powell might be going, what his expectations are, what he's thinking. Will there be more rate hikes in the next two meetings? Um, but before we get to all that, Leslie, from a fixed income lens, what was your takeaway from yesterday's uh, Fed decision and the subsequent Q&A with Chair Powell? Well, I mean, you're right. The 25 basis point was expected. So now we're at that four and a half to four and three quarter range. But he did emphasize that they're not over yet. So the expectation is, at least from, from his words, one would think that we go 25 in March and 25 in May. And that's not necessarily what the market's pricing in, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, you know, he did emphasize or say several times was this, you know, disinflation. And there's certain aspects of the economy that we know inflations are coming down. Supply chain bottlenecks have been lifted. So, you know, goods inflation is coming down. We've seen, you know, uh, home prices come down. So it's assumed that going forward, shelter prices will come down. But there's still this core component in terms of services ex shelter that remains high in terms of inflation. But one of the things that he did emphasize in terms of this disinflation is that he put it together with strong labor market. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of lengthened that runway to a potential soft landing, right? Because we know the labor market has been strong. We are going to have tomorrow non-farm payrolls, which again, given history, is not going to be you know, hugely strong, but it's still at around 200,000. So that was one of the things that, that he had emphasized. But in terms of the market's reaction, really the key came from his, um, what I would call, lack of pushback in terms of financial conditions loosening as much as they have. And he really didn't relate to financial conditions loosening and restriction or further Fed tightening, which we hadn't really seen in quite some time. Now, as we all know, there's aspects that have, that have, that have occurred that aren't loosening the cost of borrowing, right? So that has been tightening over the past year. Your mortgage rate, your auto loan, your HELOC, you know, corporations coming into the marketplace, those are still tightening. It might, it's gonna have a lagged effect in terms of when that continues to come into the marketplace. But what's interesting about it is, is that the market today really only has one more hike in, in, in the March. And then it actually continues to have 50 basis points of easing in the end of 23, followed by another 150 basis points of easing in 24. So that's 180 basis points total of easing by the end of 2024. That magnitude is not a soft landing. Mm -hmm. So the market, so the market somewhat is not believing what Chair Paul was saying in terms of, you know, we still have we still have time to go. The we've seen disinflation, the labor market's still strong. We're not as concerned about financial conditions loosening yet, but the market has a different interpretation right now. Yeah. And for those by the way keeping score at home, yesterday's 25 basis point increase marked the highest Fed funds rate since 2007. So, uh, you know, again, where do we go from here? As you said, Leslie, the market is pricing in 25 in March and another 25 in May. So we'll see where we go from there. So David, let me pivot on the equity side, given where Leslie sees the fixed income side and where rates are. What's the 
messaging here when you're talking to equity investors based on yesterday's statement? Yeah, just, just to reiterate a couple things that, that Leslie said, which I think the equity market really keyed in on. Um, one was this focus during the press conference from Chair Powell that there are increasing disinflationary pressures in the economy. That was the first time that we really heard that kind of commentary from Chair Powell. So in other words, he's saying the inflation problem is starting to get solved. That was uh, one of the first times we had heard that acknowledgement. Um, and then, again, just reiterating what Leslie talked about, you know, he didn't push back on uh, stocks going up, to, to say it bluntly. You know, I mean, in, in, in prior meetings, he, he really had, um, because at the time, what they were trying to do is, you know, the, the concern is that if stocks are going to go up, then that's going to lead to a reacceleration in inflation. That would be, you know, against what they're trying to do. He, he didn't do that um, in, in this meeting. So, so the equity market took that quite favorably. Um, and you know, what I would say you know, from an equity market perspective is that if, if last year, uh, if the bear market that you know, we, you know, some, some debate if we're still in the bear market, but right. the downturn that we saw last year, I think, was largely driven by the Fed and higher interest rates, the market is now pricing out this, this more hawkish Fed. In other words, they're moving past it because we're near the end of, of the Fed hiking, as we were just talking about. Um, and I think that's, that's why you're seeing you know, the generally positive reaction in, in equity markets. Right. Hold that thought for a second, David. I want to talk more about that with you. But Leslie, let's talk about Treasuries for one second. I didn't mean to gloss that over. We did see Treasuries dip below 340 yesterday. Is it kind of the adverse side of what David's talking about, of the reaction from the equity folks? You know, I think that the market was actually, to David's point, and we, and we, we talked about this is having him not push back on, you know, financial conditions loosening is a, is, is a bit of a, a risk on. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, if in fact, right now the market is in, in pricing in easing at the end of the year. So you still have this not convinced that we're going to have this kind of soft landing scenario. So you do have this sort of risk on at play. Plus, you know, also, which is important, and the market knew this beforehand. Whether it's March or May, the Fed is near stopping, right? There, it's going to be a pause. I mean, where the argument comes in is the pivot. So they might pause, but really where the debate will come in is when they start when the to ease. Happens. Exactly. So the market, I think the 10-year is really reacting to that in terms of that. But, but also remember, I mean, the 10-year had fallen a little bit lower when we had that, you know, really below consensus retail sales number. But I'm not surprised that the market's, you know, down, particularly given the sort of run into this risk assets that we've seen as financial conditions continue to loosen. Great. Thanks, Leslie. So, David, let's go back to equities here. I think a lot of folks tuning in now have seen the equity markets, particularly S&P 500. We just put a chart up there. From the beginning of the year, uh, right after the holidays were over, it's been uh, pretty strong performance-wise, um, continuing into yesterday, as you mentioned, after the Fed statement. Um, what's pushing stocks higher here, right. considering that there is so, still so much uncertainty out there? Yep. So uh, we talked about the Fed. I think there's been a couple of other things that have been drivers so far this year. Um, in general, the growth environment looks a bit better especially outside the United States, where we've seen we've had a, a warm winter and therefore natural gas prices are, are, have come off quite a bit in Europe. So the fears of a European recession have, have receded because of those lower energy prices. And then obviously we've, we've, we've got the China reopening. Um, so, so global growth looks to be a bit better. And then uh, at the same time, some of the inflation readings in the United States have also been, uh, you know, not as concerning, let's put it that way. Uh, some of the, 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 the 
too high increases we saw in the labor market in terms of wage hikes, those in, 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 the, in the report we got in early January, those were more benign in terms of uh, wage increases. Now we're gonna get the next one tomorrow, so mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes. Um, so you have, a, I would sum it up by saying a better growth and inflation mix and, and obviously what the Fed uh, said yesterday. Now I think the challenge, I mean look, the challenge for equities from here is that you know, a good amount of this good news does appear to be increasingly priced in. You know, we're now trading at about 18 times earnings. And in our view, those earnings estimates, that's on consensus estimates. In our view, those earnings estimates still look somewhat elevated. We think there's gonna be continued pressure on, on earnings growth because of all the Fed rate hikes and, and the time it takes for them to feed into the economy. Um, so, you know, in a, in a, and then we still don't know if, you know, how bad these lagged effects from the Fed rate hikes will be. It's certainly possible that uh, growth disappoints later this year. Uh, we're not seeing it yet. So, so I think it makes it a, a challenging setup for equities from here. Yes, there is a scenario where we could see maybe 10% more upside over the balance of this year, but uh, that's not our base case. Our base case is kind of you know, range-bound markets uh, ending this year around around 4,000 in the S&P, which is you know just around where we are right now. Um, and there's still some. I, th I think there's still risk that we could see further downside from these levels um, if, if we do see those lagged effects of, of Fed rate increases coming through. And so you think stocks are at or near the upper end of their range at this point? I mean, I think. Look, I think the other thing that that was going on this year is is that you know a lot of investors were positioned for uh, it had a very cautious stance. And, and now that things are looking a little bit better because of the factors we just talked about, you're seeing a lot of that cautious positioning begin to unwind. So that, that certainly could propel stocks a little bit higher. Um, but I do think, just to sum it up, I think we're at the higher end of the range for now. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll have to see how, uh, how things develop in the coming months. Terrific. I know we're in the middle of earnings season as well, so I do, of course, have questions for you on that in a moment, David. So thanks for that. Um, Leslie, back to... Fixed income, just talked about treasury rates. Uh, it's been certainly an interesting ride uh, for 10-year treasuries at around that 340 level today. But given that, you know, when you're looking at risk assets, where do you think, where do you see, you know, the, the, the opportunity here right now for fixed income investors, especially in the environment that we're sitting in right now? Right. Well, we, we came into the year, what I would say, a little bit more defensive. And what I mean by that is those you know, sectors that have higher embedded credit risk, whether it's be high yield or senior loans, you know, we kept the least preferred on versus higher quality assets, investment grade corporates and agency mortgage backed securities. However, outside of just keeping a higher up in quality sort of bias, we also came into the year within our fixed income portfolio a little bit longer interest rate risk. So although we've seen things like high yield and senior loans do incredibly well, right, the first month and a half, or six weeks, seven weeks of the year, we, our longer interest rate exposure has been able to also mitigate that. So in terms of our, you know, how we look at our portfolio, we're still keeping this up in quality kind of bias. Now, when we talk about these risk assets, one thing I will note, and David touched upon this a little bit, is that what's priced into the marketplace. And even yesterday, you're starting to get a little bit toppy in terms of the spread compression mm -hmm. for lower quality. You're really not seeing it as much, you know, from yesterday. I thought I would walk in this morning after the what the equity market was doing, the yields down, that you know we'd have like this even bigger compression in lower credit quality, but we haven't. So I do think that's getting a little bit toppy. 
What do you think is behind <clears throat> that? I think the market's got a bit ahead of itself. Mm. I really do. I mean, vol has collapsed, right? We've had we've had a really large decline in volatility. You know, the Fed that the market is giving this green light that the Fed is going to be done. And I think to David's point is that, and I and I think Powell actually mentioned this as well. It's in the right direction, but it's a little too soon for the victory flag. Yeah. You don't right. know what's going to happen. You know, six months from now. And one of the things that he did point out as well is that keeping long-term inflation expectations anchored is one of the things they look at as key. And right now we have a 10-year break-even inflation rate at 2.3, right? You don't want to have, you don't want to under, so what I say, what I want to say under hike, but underdo it and have inflation or wages or whatever might be come back up and then have longer-term inflation expectations skyrocket again. Mm -hmm. So I do think the market has got a bit, a bit ahead of itself. Um, we've, we've tightened in a tremendous amount. It's not that we think there's going to be a catalyst for lower, you know, higher embedded credit, credit quality. Opportunistically, there'll be a better entry point. So we still like the higher quality, which has also done well, but just not as well as lower. Right. And interestingly, when you look at what Powell said yesterday, and he's, they still have a 2% target for inflation in the Fed. That hasn't changed. But he went on to say that um, he, the Fed will need substantially more evidence that inflation is ebbing to more, be more confident that it's moving back towards the target. So, you know, as you said, nobody's waving a victory flag just yet. No, they're not. And when you look at fixed income, okay, and interest rates, pausing and hiking is very bearish. Right. And I don't think they want to do that. Got it. Leslie, thanks. Um, David, something interesting that, that, we, that we're looking at, and I know you and your team are doing the same thing, is there were some stocks that perf uh, performed last year that were some of the worst performers mm -hmm. um, this year. What do you think explains this reversal? Do you think it's sustainable? Yeah, so I, I think it, it's largely due, so yeah, what you're pointing out, and we're really seeing a mirror image uh, in terms of performance within the market. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this year looks like the mirror image uh, of, of last, last year. year. Um, and, and I think it has to do with, with many of the factors that we, we already touched on, right? We're, we're now coming towards, towards the end of the, the Fed rate hikes. The, uh, the chair of the Fed did not push back against uh, some, you know, maybe some, some risk-taking in, in some of the financial markets. Um, we've seen, um, you know, a lot of these stocks were very heavily shorted. And, um, you know, because we've, we've seen a little bit better tone to the growth and inflation mix, I think you've seen some short covering, meaning people have been closing out those uh, bearish bets, those bearish positions. So I think that's been part of it. And I think, you know, really from here, it's really going to depend on, you know, soft landing or not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we do really have a genuine soft landing, whereby, I mean, we don't see any move higher in the unemployment rate or not much move, move up in the unemployment rate, a genuine soft landing, uh, then, yeah, some of these more speculative areas of the market could, could continue to, to do okay. I still think that there's, there's risks that, that we will see some softness in the labor market. That would seem to be necessary in order to get inflation down to the Fed's target. Um, so, so from our perspective, we're, we're still a little bit cautious on, on the more speculative areas of the market. Right. So even those worst performers from last year that have done a little bit better this year, not necessarily 100% sustainable that that's going to be yeah. remaining through the end of the year. That's our view. We'll right. have to see, you know, obviously we'll have to see how it goes. But yes, that's our view. Got it. Leslie, um, we talk about the yield curve a lot. Um, and clearly we're looking at steepenings. Um, and even yesterday, the, the, the spread was a little bit narrower, but... Do you think that that yield curve could re-steepen again? Well, listen, the, the two tens has been inverted for almost a year, yeah. eight months now. It's been a long time. Long time. That's what happens when you go 75 basis points four times in a row. But I think that, listen, when we think about the, the shape of the curve, both in two tens, which is about negative 70, and say three-month tenure, which is also negative 115 or something, you know, 
over the short term, you know, we're going to have probably stay in this range of inversion. The curve will not really start to re-steepen until the Fed pauses. Mm -hmm. And we think that's May, but we really don't know, right? You really need to see, more than likely it is. But in the second half of the year, our expectation is the curve two tens will start to re-steepen. But I do want to caveat that it's still going to end, in my opinion, inverted, mm -hmm. right? We have a 3% 10-year at the end of the year. You know, so it's, it's more than likely the Fed fund, the two-year is going to be higher than that 3%, in our opinion, by the end of the year. So you are going to have maybe negative 30 basis points. So you're going to re-steepen, but you're not going to be upward sloping until 2024. So likely more a, than likely. Likely a two-year inverted yield curve by yes, the end of this year. exactly. So the re-steeping, though, it's, it's a little too early now. Once, mm -hmm. they, once, they, once we're confident they'll pause, you really get this re-steepener. I don't think you're going to invert back to that negative 88 that we had in two stands, but you're probably going to stay in this range You'll start to re-steepen at the second half, but that re-steepening will still result in a negative spread. Great. Thanks, Leslie. David, I, I did tease a little bit that I want to talk about earnings season with right. you, which we are in the middle of fourth quarter earnings season for the S&P. Um, how's it shaping up so far at versus, especially versus your expectations? Yeah, it's been it's been a fire hose of, of information coming out. <laughs> a wild ride, um, you would say. <laughs> yeah, just you know, it's always hard to uh, digest all the the, the data that comes out. But yeah, look, I, I would say a couple things. You know, big picture, I, I would call so far earnings season on the lackluster side. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not seeing uh, the typical pace of, of of earnings beats that we normally see. That that pace has been a little bit softer. The breadth of the beats has been a little bit softer. And then if we look at the forward guidance, we're seeing companies are reducing the estimates for the first quarter, This the, now the quarter that we're in, um, and by a, a little bit more than they usually, usually companies this is the secret in, in this in this business. Companies reduce expectations, then they beat those reduced expectations, but they're reducing the expectations a little bit more than what we usually see. Yeah, that's a uh, sign to clearly watch out for, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. If the numbers are coming down more than they usually do, right? Yeah, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't say it's alarming, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's sort of very consistent. I would say with some of the the quarters that we saw the last uh, two or three. I think also let's keep. I want to focus on the bigger picture here for a second. I think really what's going on is you've had a lot. You had a lot of pandemic beneficiaries or post-pandemic beneficiaries, especially in tech and growth and e-commerce and all that other stuff, and uh, those areas have been normalizing for the last, you know, few quarters now, right? I mean, you know, think about digital advertising started coming down, e-commerce started coming, you know, coming down, meaning they were actually contracting uh, in terms of overall growth rates. Um, housing, you know, so a lot of, a big portion of the S&P 500 is related to that. And those segments are normalizing, and that's also weighing on the overall numbers. So, yeah, overall numbers... Uh, we're looking for we were looking for flat earnings in uh, the fourth quarter. It looks like they're actually coming in a little bit less than mm -hmm. that, like we were talking about. So we're looking for now it's on pace to you know, to be down two or three percent. So the earnings recession looks like it's it has started, um, and it looks like it, it probably will persist uh, at least over the next couple of quarters as well. Yeah, you know, some some folks might say, look, last year and 2020. Were both anomalies. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you saw huge run-ups in things like tech and in consumer staples. Is it fair to compare? You know, I, I mean, when you look at the valuations, how do you do? How do you look at those versus the last two years? And then looking at 2019 and 18, right. that seems almost more of a realistic picture versus the, what we've seen for the pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. If you're talking about yeah, in terms of valuations, valuations during the 
during 20 and 21 were, were quite elevated, right? I mean, the PE multiple on the S&P 500 was in the low 20s. What was going on during that period? We had very rapid earnings growth, mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20, 30% for periods of time. And you also had extremely low interest rates. You had the 10-year treasury at one, you know, for a long time was averaging around 1%. Right. So it was the best of both worlds um, from a valuation perspective. Strong earnings growth, very low discount rate. Um, and, but outside of you know, another period like that, which doesn't seem likely, uh, yeah, we're, we're already at 18 times, as I was saying. Usually, you don't go above 18 times unless you have very rapid, earn, you know, much faster earnings growth than I think is possible in the coming 12 to 24 months, uh, or if interest rates were to go back to 1%, which you know that seems pretty unlikely. Right, and and look at where currencies were during that period, especially the dollar. You know, such strength there. So interesting right. times. Um, Leslie, I want to turn to positioning for you. And by the way, let me just also remind our audience: uh, if you'd like to ask a question, we're starting to get some here in the room, click that ask a question button right on your screen and then we'll get it here so we can get to those in a couple minutes. Um, but before we turn over to Q&A, let me ask you both, and Leslie, I'll start with you, positioning, right? It's, you, you continue to prefer investment grade, corporate bonds, um, and US agency mortgage-backed securities for, you know, you've got high quality relative to the high yield corporate bonds and senior loans. What are you recommending right now, especially given yesterday's Fed statement and the expectations ahead? Yeah, well, I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, no, lower quality did well in terms of those with higher embedded credit, but actually higher quality has done very well, too. Agency mortgage-backed securities compressed tremendous amount yesterday because a lot of these sectors that are higher quality, corporates, agency, MBS, munis, also have a high correlation to vol, which collapsed. So their spreads have really tightened in. Actually, higher quality in terms of spread compression was much higher yesterday than it was for the versus lower quality. So how our position now is, listen, they've, they've come in quite a bit. Um, but we're keeping our position in terms of this barbell investment grade corporates that we have the short end because, again, the curve is inverted. Mm -hmm. So we like that carry, and we think that curve remains inverted. But we also have part of that 7 to 10-year type in the IG area versus being underweight or least preferred and things like high yield and IG. And we also keep that agency MBS. So that is really our positioning. Overall, we probably are around that intermediate five-year part of the curve, which, which we like because... The five-year does poorly when the Fed is starting the hiking cycle. It does well when the Fed shifts. So the, that intermediate part of the curve, we really feel will be the sweet spot this year, particularly when they actually do start easing. When so happens, so we have higher quality. We're, we're barbelled to equal the intermediate. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's really where we are, where we stay right now. But again, you know, this is not whether it's a higher embedded credit or a high quality. Spreads are really compressed in both, in all sectors. So you can have these pockets of vulnerability, but when those pockets of vulnerability happen, we just prefer being in the higher quality. If we go into a recession, which, you know, at this point. Then there's no question the higher quality will do Higher better. quality. Yeah. What about those who maybe want to protect themselves if treasury yields, yields fall again? Well, listen, I do think there's, we, you know, we talked about this in terms of having this correlation back. And if we do go into, into recession, I think right now yields are high enough where you'll have the equity market go down and, you know, treasury yields will come down. But the more rich these two sectors become, that correlation will break, okay, as, as we saw very violently in 2022. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's really the case right now. So I, I think keeping that, you know, a little bit of duration on that we have, staying intermediate and staying up in quality will be really the best bet. Terrific. David, uh, now switching back to equities, um, how would you in, uh, recommend investors position themselves here, especially given what we've discussed right. and, you know, what, of course, we just talked about fourth quarter earnings were in 1Q now. Right. 
What do you think we should be doing? Where should be uh, investors be putting their money to work in equities? Yeah, so our, our, our messages really haven't changed. You know, we still think that you do want to uh, tilt portfolios to more defensive and higher quality parts of the market. I, I don't think we're necessarily fully out of the woods uh, in terms of some of the, the difficult market environment that we saw last year, largely you know, related to these lagged effects um, that, that we, we think we'll, we will see in terms of, of growth. And especially you know, now that the markets have rallied, um, you know, some of the defensive areas have really gotten much cheaper relative to the market uh, than they were just, just a month ago. Uh, so you can pick up some of these more defensive areas at, at, no, at more reasonable relative valuations. So that risk reward is, is, is still, I think, looking pretty favorable. Um, yeah, we also, from a more thematic standpoint, I, again, I think if we're going to still be in a, in a volatile period focusing on high quality stocks, um, and then also, yeah, we have, we, we've talked about this era of security and we have a, and really related to, to the, the difficult geopolitical environment that we see outside the United States. Uh, so we think there's some, some interesting places to be, whether it be military spending, cybersecurity, energy security, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think there's still areas that are interesting within the marketplace. Um, you just have to sort of pick your spots. Right, exactly. And talk to your financial advisor. We always mm -hmm. say that. Um, all right, let's get to some audience Q&A. Um, David, let me, let me start with this question for you, because, and let me, let me pivot, because I can actually make it two parts. Somebody's asking, what's it going to take for UBS to be positive on, on financials? Mm -hmm. And then we have other questions talking about oil prices. So let me just list. Your most preferred right now, consumer staples, energy, healthcare, least preferred financials, and IT information technology. Correct. So let's answer the first question. Yeah. What's it going to take to be positive on financials? Yeah. So... So our view on financials is that we're, we're concerned that we will see some softening in the labor market. And in other words, the unemployment rate will go up, which seems to be necessary in order to get inflation all the way down uh, to where the Fed wants it to be. And when, if that happens, then, then the earnings numbers for the banks will come under pressure. Um, so that, that's our, one of our main issues, main concerns. The other one is that the cost of deposits is rising as well. So their margins that they make on their, on their deposits are also uh, uh, not rising and, and could start contracting and, and coming in lower than expected. Um, you know, but I would say, look, I, I think the environment for banks is a lot better than it was, say, five years ago because they, we now have a positive Fed funds rate. That's a much more favorable environment for the banks. Uh, so we recognize that, but I, I think there still are some cyclical concerns that we have over the next few months that, w that we're monitoring, and that's what keeps us a little bit more cautious now. Terrific. And, and, and we had another question about oil prices, and I know energy is the most preferred, still remains relatively cheap compared to oil prices. So right. w where do we expect oil prices to be? This year, and let's not forget, China's reopened. So, well, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, so yeah, bigger picture, we, we still we, we're on now the ninth year of pretty limited investment spending in exploration for uh, oil and gas, and and as a result, we we have we don't have really very much spare capacity. So uh, obviously, the Russia invasion of Ukraine really you know, made that situation worse. Now, that, that looks to be more normalizing. But the point I'm trying to make here is that because we have a very 
tight oil market, I don't think there's much downside in oil prices. And with China reopening, you also have a, a new embargo on Russian refined product that's mm -hmm. going into place on Sunday, actually. Um, so that potentially takes some additional supply off the market or at least creates some disruptions in the market. Um, and so you still have growing demand and limited supply. We think, we think oil prices will be heading higher. And that, that's one of the main reasons why we like the energy sector. Plus, you, you get a very nice free cash flow yield of, of about 10% uh, for that sector. David, thank you. Leslie, question for you. And I know you even said you've received this phone call a couple times from some of our advisors. Uh, what, how, has the environment improved right now for tips? I like the environment better today than I did last year, which I know sounds counterintuitive given the fact we're talking about disinflation. Mm -hmm. But I mean, here's, here's the reason why is that because when we think about even yesterday when the Fed talked about, you know, not you know, slowing but not stopping, you know, the market is already pricing in such low inflation, right? The 10-year break-even is at 2.3. You know, the forecast for CPI one year ahead is at 2.3, you know, 2.4. Two, so all of that is very low. It's already priced in already. So I like that part of the tips market. It's really just a matter of timing. And because, you know, real yields have come down, led by nominals, I just want to wait to, to, for a better opportunity to add that. But I think now, given the fact that you're not starting from a high position, you're starting from a low position of, of inflation expectation, I do like the sector, but just not yet. Okay, great. Well, let me thank you both again. It's another great live show that I get to do and, and have the privilege of sitting with you and getting, I'm, I'm taking notes myself, you know, from all the things that you're sharing with us and our audience. So thank David Lefkowitz, Leslie Falconio. Always good to be with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank great. You, and thank you to our audience. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We, we do our best to try to keep these as succinct as possible. We know you've got busy lives out there, too. But we hope you're getting some great takeaways from this conversation with Leslie and David. Uh, I do want to thank you all for the questions that you sent in. I know we didn't get to all of them, but uh, please tune in again for the next time uh, when we do this on March 2nd. That's Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. It's always the first Thursday of every month, if you haven't figured that out by now, at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, we will continue to keep you updated, of course, with our latest views through the HouseView publications, CIO alerts, and more coming out of the Chief Investment Office. And as always, we encourage you to continue this conversation with your UBS financial advisor. And also, don't forget to check out our Year Ahead report. It came out last uh, November 2022, but it is a report that you'll want to keep handy for the rest of the year and it will be continually updated. There's a website for that, ubs.com forward slash year ahead hyphen exclusive. Thanks everybody, we will see you next month and um, thanks for being here, see you soon. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.